Friends, our second scripture reading this morning comes from Luke 4, verses 17 through 19. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and Jesus found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recover of the sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the word of God for the people of God. You know, on a Creation Care Sunday, or any time you hear a Creation Care sermon, really, you can usually put them in one of two categories. Either we need to do better because we are utterly doomed, or there's hope to come if we all work together. So let me talk for about 15 minutes, and then I'll let you all decide which one this sermon is. I will say that I do not feel that the Holy Spirit has led me here to judge or condemn us. I just don't think that would be very helpful. Our society has become a bit too keen on pointing fingers and passing the blame. I'm just here to talk about the way things are and the way things I wish they could be. So if we are starting with the way things are, then we sure do have a problem on our hands. I mean, there are a lot of places we could start, really, with creation care. We could talk about the coral reefs dying in our lifetime. We could talk about deforestation, climate change, or erosion. And all of these concerns need particular exploring on their own. But recent research seems to have found a common denominator of sorts that, weirdly enough, goes all the way back to the second story of creation. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. I think the ground, and more specifically the soil, could be the thing that can repair our planet in more ways than one. There's a new documentary that came out on Netflix last year called Kiss the Ground. One way you could sum up this documentary is by a hashtag that sparked on social media shortly after the documentary's release, and that's hashtag no-till. What the science and research show in this documentary is that we are in need of a new kind of agriculture. Mass land farming has shown to have significant impact on our planet, and much of that is due to tilling the ground. Over-tilling the ground actually turns soil into dust over many, many seasons. And it was fascinating in the documentary being able to actually see the barren land from satellites in space. It was desolate and harsh and dry. And one thing that healthy soil, plants, and vegetation do is actually absorb the sun's rays. One large contributor to our carbon legacy being put in the atmosphere is during these seasons of tilling. The CO2 from the sun's rays is reflected off the dust in the barren ground and goes back into our atmosphere. This kind of mass agricultural process, along with barren landscapes due to man-made feeding stations for animals, 
has ultimately had a severe impact on our climate over the 200 years since the Industrial Revolution. All of this harsh treatment happening right under our nose. And then the reality of the documentary sets in and says, in the next 60 years, the impact of our legacy load of carbon stored in the atmosphere may really come back to hurt us. Food production will change. Air quality would become poor over the next century. Because of this, rich survive longer and the poor become poorer and have even less access to the essentials like food and water. But when all hope seems a bit fleeting, we find that the answer is not in some futuristic technology or having to terraform Mars and escape the Earth, but perhaps the solution is something that has been around us this whole time, the soil. An article that breaks down the documentary puts it like this. There are small things that we can do as individuals, like eating a more plant-based diet, composting, and applying these bigger principles to our own small gardens. But the big cell is working towards regenerative agriculture, which offers an economically viable, virtuous cycle of healthy soils, plants, water, and skies which is in stark contrast to the vicious cycles of industrial agriculture, which relies on additives, pesticides, and government subsidies, and depletes the land at unsustainable levels. See, the trick is keeping plants and vegetation on the ground year-round. This not only helps with drawing down carbon, but farmers in the documentary would actually yield more crops for the numbers of crops they planted as opposed to traditional agricultural practices. And this is because of the healthy soil. The article continues to tell us, regenerative agriculture can be applied anywhere in the world and reverse the effects of desertification through no-till systems, crop diversity, planned livestock grazing, and even biosequestration which is just a fancy word for the process of capturing and storing carbon in plants, microbes, and other organisms. According to scientists, soil experts, and activists, drawing down atmospheric carbon to replenish the earth is actually possible right now. Wow, you're telling me it is possible right now to draw down carbon that has been affecting our climate We just need to cover the earth with plants and good soil. But also maybe we need to be reminded of our place in all of this as well. It is thought that human agriculture has roots as far back as the new Stone Age, or over 10,000 years. Societies along the course of history have all had structures surrounding their agricultural practices. For the Hebrews in the Old Testament, we can see that in the book of Leviticus, they discuss this relationship and the expectation for the people and their land. Even back to the Exodus, we can see that the Israelites struggled with how much manna are we supposed to keep and gather. God told the Israelites to rest on the seventh day, and there was no need to gather this manna because God will always provide in the wilderness. But what we see in Leviticus 
is more than just a set of rules. It is almost like a mega promise or what some scholars have called a mega Sabbath. Because after the seventh cycle of Sabbath, Hebrew slaves and prisoners would be freed, debts would be forgiven, and the mercies of Yahweh would be particularly manifest to the people. Another way to say this is that the Israelites returned to their land, their prosperity, their dignity, and their security. And theologically, this year of Jubilee is a reminder that the land does not belong to one group or one person or one family, but that all creation belongs to God. You know, I wonder what a year of Jubilee would look like in our world today. When so many people have been displaced from their land, their homes, and their way of life, or even as a people now who are facing a global pandemic on top of an ecological crisis, is it possible to return to normal sea levels or climate? Well, the science does show that we are in trouble, but it also shows that it's possible. I think we just need to remember who and whose we are. The reason I chose this passage on the year of Jubilee is because it takes us back to our roots. It takes us back to the soil, and it takes us back to the Sabbath. I find these two things to be more connected than one might think. See, and it all comes down to this. God knows there is power and restoration in the soil. God knows there is power and restoration in the soil because God so loved the world that God made us as covenant partners out of the soil, to be stewards of God's earth. God knows there is power in the soil because on the seventh day God rested. God didn't keep working. God wanted rest for the soil so that it has its chance to restore and bear the best fruit. God knows there is power in the soil Because on the year of Jubilee, and at the end of this seventh cycle, God knew the power and the prosperity that would be restored to the poor, the slaves, and the prisoners when they could return to their land. God knows the power of the soil, and now it seems that science is starting to realize the power of it too. And since God God breathed life into the soil, into us, then that means restoring the soil and our planet is up to us. We are the ones who came from the soil. So if soil is that thing that is going to turn it all around, then I think the responsibility is on us. And see, I almost want to shy away from this word responsibility as if we have some kind of choice in it all. This is our one and only planet This year of Jubilee is not just a reminder or God letting us know that it is time to be responsible again for creation, but it is God saying, the reason I created humanity is so humanity can be stewards of the earth and loving neighbors with one one another. If we need a clear example of how to live into this role as a steward, I find it helpful to look at Luke 4, 
Jesus has just begun his ministry in Luke and is reading on the Sabbath day in the synagogue at Nazareth. Jesus boldly read a passage in Isaiah to the people at the synagogue. He said to them, He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim and release the captives and to recover sight to the blind, let the oppressed go free, and also to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, rightfully known as the year of Jubilee. Rightly remembering that it is God who empowers us to take care of all of us, each other, the dirt, animals. Being a good steward is not just about the earth. It is about empowering all of us. There's kind of this old school commentary by a guy named William Barclay that really just helps me see the God of creation and this God that I think Jesus is pointing to in Luke 4. Barclay says, We have only to read the passage of Isaiah that Jesus read to see the difference between Jesus and John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a preacher of doom, and at his message men must have shuddered with terror. But see, it was a gospel. It was good news. Which means Jesus too knew the wrath of God, but it was a wrath of love, not a wrath of doom. And I think this wrath of love is powerful. It is so powerful that it is all encumbering to our lives. And I believe that Jesus saw this. Jesus saw the interconnected nature of all life. Today, I feel like we often put things into separate categories and compartments. We do biology over here in the science wing. English is strictly in the humanities. Well, my focus is social justice, while others are more focused on creation care or queer theory. But to Jesus, it is all interconnected when he refers to this passage in Isaiah. Jesus talks about the oppressed, captives going free, recovering sight to the blind, and the year of Jubilee. These are all part of Jesus' prophetic message because they are all under the embrace of God's wrathful love. And for me, this love always comes back to the beginning the creation, the dirt. It comes back to us. And one way we can begin to think about the real ways we can repair our earth, but also think about the ways social justice and creation care are interconnected, is by hearing these words by Lenny Duncan. In a piece that Lenny Duncan wrote on dismantling white supremacy, Duncan writes, Black people never received the 40 acres and a mule that they were promised in the Emancipation Proclamation. If we did today, that would change the entire American landscape. It would be $6.4 trillion with inflation today for the black community. Black people in America have historically been denied their right to return to the land after fighting for their country and freedom. Their denial is not only wrong in relationship to the promise from the Emancipation Proclamation, 
but they have been denied their rightful inheritance from God. Imagine the different kind of world we would have today if God's people had a chance to return to their land. When is the year of Jubilee coming? And for who is it coming? It seems obvious to most, but I think we need a reminder that our soil and earth is happier when covered with lush and green vegetation. And so too, we need to be reminded that we are stewards of the earth because we are created from the earth. All people, black, brown, and white, We are created from the earth because God loved us so much. God wanted us as partners in God's creation. And when we begin to doubt this, I mean, just look around. Seriously, later today, look up at the trees. Take time to feel the wind and the air on your skin. We are porous and we're vulnerable. But God took the dirt and God made the dirt holy. And when we are taking care of each other, we are taking care of the earth. And when we are taking care of the earth, we are taking care of each other. Perhaps regenerative agriculture can help us as a tool in repairing the earth. And I hope we can live into this call by continuing to educate ourselves donating our time and money to places involved in regenerative agriculture and drawing down carbon. We can do it right here in Georgia. And we can start with MPC care. But ultimately this means that it's us to us, it's up to us to engage with the promise that God calls us to as people of the soil. The year of Jubilee may be a return to the land But what we are really celebrating is life and freedom and mercy and grace that the wrathful love of God continually gives to us. Let us be the ones to give it to the world and to one another forever and always as we seek to bring the kingdom of God to earth. Amen.